the sleeper in the bus. There's skill, there's luck. A keeper or cut. Open file, a case shut. A short stop or stop short. Press play or press abort. Intelligence for sports. Good of y'all to listen. Aiming at what truth is. Mike and Eno pitching like the name is Michael Lewis. Others in the dust or left out to rust. Who's hitting? Who's missing? The sleeper in the bus. The sleeper in the bus. Welcome to The Sleeper and the Bust. I'm Mike Podhorzer, and I'm joined, as usual, by Rotograph's editor and now Roto World source, Eno Saris. Today, we're debuting yet another new segment and bantering about bullpens. As usual, we're starting things off with the most interesting player alive today, and that's the most searched for player on Fangraphs. That happens to be you, Darvish, who dominated once again last night. Eno, is there really anything else that we can say about Darvish that hasn't been said already? I mean, just how darn sexy he is. Yeah, I agree. If we had a contest about the sexiest Asian baseball players, I think Darvish would easily rank number one. <laughs> yeah, wouldn't be dice gay. Uh, but <laughs> one of the things that I like about what's going on um, with what you was doing is it fits right into the kind of the stuff that we've that you and I have done um, the research that we've done on first strike percentage and how important that is um, and just the different walk rate peripherals that are out there because what he's done is basically just get strike one more often and uh, just get batters to reach and miss on balls that are outside the zone and that's that's kind of the the, the secret sauce guy that doesn't have great control he's still not hitting the zone. Um, as much as, as the league average. So he's still, he's still not a, you know, a control artist. Uh, but what he's doing is he gets strike one, so he's ahead of the batter, and then he gets some reaching, and that's, you know, that's basic baseball right there. Yeah, I mean, that's basically the one thing that we were looking for Darvish to do this year to really reach that elite in terms of real baseball and in fantasy, and that's exactly what he's doing. His first strike rate is now up above the league average after – sitting below the league average last year, his zone percentage is basically the same as last year. But when you feature like 16 different pitches like Darvish, they're all diving and darting in and out of the strike zone. It's impossible for batters to know it's coming and to actually make contact. So I don't think his zone percentage is as important as it might be for other pitchers. So he's doing exactly what we asked for. And I think he actually has a decent chance of being a top three fantasy starter all season and and that will break even for a lot of the owners that took him real earlier or paid a lot for his services expecting that real breakout do you agree do you, do you think he does have a good shot of being a top three guy this year well yeah he's my al labor ace so i'm i'm into that but um i do i do think that um <clears throat> you have to you just have, i'm just a conservative guy so i would say top five uh top seven but that's we had him at top 10 and he's over he's 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 uh He's swim swim moving past uh, Matt Kane and Gio Gonzalez and uh, Jared Weaver's obviously not going to catch up. So um, you know we're talking now. Will he be better than Felix? Is 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 where he's at. And if he's going to be better than Felix, then um, then we're talking top five. Yeah, I think there's a real good chance. And check out that swinging strike percentage. He's at 17 percent right now. Number two is at around 14%. 17% is just insane. No starting pitcher is going to finish the year with a mark that high. So expect that to come down. But it just shows us how truly dominant 
he's been all season so far. And for me, he's not a sell-high guy. I really think he has uh, a reasonable shot at even being the number one fantasy starter. So I don't think he's somebody to to try to shop around and see if you can get two good starters for him. I think you ride him all year, and uh, he could potentially win the Cy Young. So hold on to him as long as he continues to throw strikes like he has been, then he's going to be a top starter all season long. First strikes, even. Yeah, absolutely. I I want to move on to uh, a hitter who has disappointed, to say the least. Victor Martinez, last year he missed all of last season with a torn ACL. He's hitting 183, no home runs, two runs scored, only six RBIs. And and he's a guy that fantasy owners remember the good old days of VMAR when he was one of the top catchers. Do you expect him, you know, to turn things around? And is he worth buying low or attempting to? Um, I'm a, I would say I guess I'm a little a little worried about him. The one thing that I was uh, not so high on him going into the season because I just figured he's old, and um, you know, the injury was sort of a harbinger in terms of. Um, the just the different nicks and cuts that are gonna that are gonna keep him out of the lineup. And I know he's a DH, so he doesn't have to catch, but he still was a catcher. Um, so I think these little things are gonna add up to uh, maybe 500 plate appearances. Um, and they probably will do something to his power. His power has been declining anyway. So um, and and then power is wrapped up in the batting average. So my sort of you know, back of the captain, uh, back of the cocktail napkin math would say something like 280, 10 plus homers, 500 plate appearances. Right, and that's not terrible, but that's not necessarily what fantasy owners were hoping for this year. I mean, Vimar used to be a 300 hitter, and up until 2011, he also was usually good for at least 15 to 20 home runs. He's also hitting behind Prince Fielder, Miguel Cabrera, Austin Jackson. He's in a prime. RBI spot. So I'm a little biased. I do own him in my own labor league. So I think I'm a little more bullish on a rebound than you are. I, I checked out Kendrys Morales' splits last year because if you guys recall, he missed all of 2011 and he was first returning last year. And he also started off very slowly in the power department, hit just one home run in April. So I'm thinking maybe as VMAR gets more at bats under his belt, maybe he gets his timing back. I think the power is going to come around. Now, is that power going to be 15 to home uh, to 20 home runs or 10 to 15? Probably more like 10 to 15. But in that RBI spot, I think that still will be good enough to be a, a solid by low candidate. I also look at his batted ball profile. It looks normal. He's avoiding the pop-up. He's hitting a healthy number of line drives. He's not striking out a lot. It's a, a typical mark for what he's done over his career. And he's actually walking at the highest rate of his career. So it, it seems like, to me, he's a pretty good buy low. Uh, I mean, have I convinced you, Eno, that he is a good buy low? Um, sure, sure. I mean, you know, you saw that play the other day where he didn't even bother. And so I just don't think that he's going to leg out, you know, any close hits and he's not going to, you know, he's going to get pulled for pinch runners. Um, so I just think there's a lot of little ways that he's going to lose value. Yeah, and actually, it's funny that you say he's not going to leg out any infield hits. His speed score is 0.1. 
I've literally <laughs> never seen a player with a speed score that low in my entire life. I mean, obviously, he's not exactly uh, a speedster. He never was one. He owns a, a career average of 1.5, but that's 1.5. That's above one. Right now, 0.1 means he's like a tortoise. And, yeah. and well, he's just not even trying. I mean, he's trying to extend his career, I think. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of problematic, and that's going to definitely hamper his batting average on balls and play. But, I mean, it's it's a 206 right now. You have to assume it's going to rebound some, but he might not get very near his career 314 bad So will he rebound? Yes. I still think he makes a decent by-low guy, and I don't think he's going to cost him very much, to be honest, because I think his owners are going to be panicking right now. So I think he's worth buying low, but he's clearly not the V-Mart of old, so don't expect uh, a real significant rebound here. Uh, I want to move along now to the bullpen carousel. And, and the first guy I want to talk about is Fernando Rodney, because this is a guy, obviously, he came out of nowhere to completely resurrect his career with the Rays last year and post uh, a ridiculous ERA of .60. I believe that set a record, actually. Um, and this year, I'm a little concerned that the Rodney of old is back. He's already walked six batters in seven and a third innings. So what do you make of him? I mean, is he is this an early sign that the 2012 Rodney is gone and pre-2012 is back? Do we, fantasy owners, gamble now on Jake McGee or Joel Peralta? Well, I have like three little statistical nuggets here. I like and they, they sort of all pull me in different directions. And the one is the the last year the first that when he his sixth walk came in the middle of July. So we, he's like way ahead of his pace for last year. So that that says to me the old Rodney's back. Uh, the second thing is the Tampa Bay Rays have never had uh, the same closer in consecutive years. So in their career, in like their lifetime. So that says to me, he's in trouble. The third thing, though, is that he one big thing that changed for him was that the Rays changed his placement on the rubber and they put him they put him closer to first base. And and then also working with Jose Molina, that's sort of what people credit um, his changes to. He's he was on the third base rubber to begin the season. And now he's gone back to the first base side of the rubber. So. I mean, that's that's one piece of evidence against his whole history and these other pieces of evidence. So I, I'm I'm worried. So, but why would he start the season on the third base side of the rubber if last year his success was credited to him moving to the first base side? Why wouldn't he stay there to open the year? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I know, I know that he pitched with the Dominican Republic. Um, so maybe he got into bad habits or something, or maybe they just didn't emphasize it with him, or maybe they thought he should try a different way. So yeah, that's odd. But I mean, what I see is he's actually throwing first pitch strikes for the at the highest rate of his career, which is weird considering that his walk rate is is back up. But yeah, if I was a Rodney owner, given his sketchy past and his control problems, I would be very nervous, especially because they have some good bullpen guys in front of him who probably could do the job. I mean, Jake McGee is one of the top relief pitchers, I think, in baseball. Joel Peralta, he's got a, a bit of a fly ball problem, but he could probably do the job as well. So I might, if I was a Rodney owner, look into if you have a deep bench, maybe backing him up. I mean, I hate handcuffing because it kind of 
limit your upside, but it might be worthwhile because uh, Rodney might be the next guy to uh, lose his job. And yeah, and it's it's Peralta over McGee for you. Uh, yeah, I mean, am I missing somebody in that bullpen? Uh, I was saying Peralta over McGee. Oh well. I think McGee is the better pitcher, but since he's a lefty, I don't have the splits in front of me. I feel like maybe they'd be more comfortable having the righty in Peralta. Yeah. Uh, but I, I wanted to move on to another guy who I'm personally very worried about because he's on uh, a couple of my fantasy teams, and that's Houston Street. Uh, right now, he's actually walked four batters in seven innings and only struck out two. And this is a guy who always has great control. And it seems like his velocity is down. And his control within the strike zone, just I mean, his zone percentage is down at 34%, which is insanely low. So he's not getting any swings and misses, a 5.5% swing strike rate. His career rate is 13.5%. So that is significant. So with all of his injury issues in the past, he has me really worried. Yeah, and that's the, that's the first thing you think about with Street is – you know, usually when he's in there, he's healthy and healthy. He's uh, he's good, but uh, anytime it starts to look like this, you you wonder if uh, D. Elston is coming up soon. Yeah, so I mean, me personally, I'm going to be monitoring every one of his outings and pounce on Luke Gregerson, assuming they've given up on Dale Thayer as their closer in waiting. But pounce on Gregerson because. I'm very, very concerned about Street, and and he didn't look good yesterday either. Even though he converted the save, you know, he gave up a, a bunch of hard hit balls, and he he lucked out that the the last batter, I don't remember which one it was, I think it was one of the catchers, he uh, he hit the bat his own batted ball, and so he was called out, and that's how he converted the save. But I'm worried about him. Uh, just don't just don't pick up Corey Lipke just while you're looking for Dale Thayer. That would be a, that would be a mistake. And why is that? <laughs> I just, I uh, I accidentally asked uh, Dale Thayer how his rehab was going. Oh, and what did he say? I'm not Loki. <laughs> 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 well, when Corey Loki does finally return around the All Star break, we will absolutely discuss him, and You're hopefully right. not accidentally bring in Dale Thayer's stats when we discuss Loki. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but I wanted to also move on to the Detroit bullpen because, surprise, surprise, Jose Valverde is back and he already converted his first save. Do you think he's going to remain the Tigers' closer all season? I No, I don't I don't think so. I, I just I can't believe that he even got one save because, you know, his, his manager already gave up on him. And if you look at all of his peripheral stats, they're just – they're not good. You know they've been they've been bad for a couple of years. He was good when he was elite and he had an elite strikeout rate, and you could ignore his control. But um, he doesn't have good control, and now the velocity is down, and all it is is a split finger and a ninety you know ninety three mile an hour fastball. It's just not it's not closer material, and, and you know Rondon is going to have the gas and the strikeouts behind him to make him nervous. Well, I'm going to disagree, and I want to say that. He actually does remain closer all season, but he's the worst pitcher in the Tigers' bullpen. <laughs> yeah. I, I think he can manage it because the Tigers actually do have a pretty darn good bullpen if used correctly. And Jim Leland, as we know, 
did not seem very confident in any of the guys in his bullpen to be the closer. And it seems like he's very loyal to his veterans. And Valverde has had a good, well, except for last year, he's basically had a pretty good history with the Tigers. So I think that Leland does stick with Valverde all season unless he completely implodes and posts a five-year ERA, which I guess isn't completely off the table. It is a possibility given his declining skills. But I think he's decent enough to hold on to the job all year, even if he posts like a 420 ERA. I just don't think Leland wants to give the closer role to anybody else in the bullpen for whatever reason. Yeah, I mean, once you heard that name again, there was some part of me that was like, oh, God, this is happening. <laughs> um, I just, you know, there was that research by Jack, um, Jack Moore in, the, in Fangrass Plus this year that suggested that one of the few things that can predict closer change is velocity and, and strikeout rate. So and I know that it's an impossibly small sample size, but Rondon only walked two guys in his first uh, eight appearances. Um, so maybe he, he found something that's working for him. And they, they obviously think, some, that, you know, the, the timing was very interesting because they signed Jose Valverde, they brought him up, and they brought him at the same time as Rondon. So to me, that suggests that, you know, Rondon could be in the mix. He's um, in some ways more exciting than any of the other guys in that bullpen if he, if he does um, corral his, his, you know, the ball a little bit. So... Uh, Benoit has always had the problem of the, um, you know, the, the back-to-back days, and uh, Coke is a is a loogie, and Dotel is a roogie. So, you know, the, he, there are reasons to like Rondon still, um, and reasons to dislike Valverde still. But he might do it ugly all year. That's a good point. Yeah, I mean, I just don't really understand the team why they would go to Rondon. Isn't Al Albuquerque the exact same pitcher as Rondon, but a ground balling version and a one and a guy who has major league experience. So I don't know why they would skip Albuquerque in favor of Rondon, because to me, Rondon is just a, a, a light version of Albuquerque. So I don't know. That whole bullpen makes no sense to me. But enough of the Tigers' bullpen. I want to quickly touch on the Red Sox bullpen. With Andrew Bailey's success right now, filling in for Joel Hanrahan, does Hanrahan get Wally pipped, or does he get his closer role back when he returns from his injury? Well, I've seen some verbiage that uh, blames his early goings on the hamstring. Um, and he still has a swinging strike, you know, the double-digit swinging strike rate he's always had. And he, you know, pretty much always had control issues, except for his one shining, excellent, excellent year. So um, I would say that I might be, I'm starting to feel like I'm in the minority, but I think that he gets his job back, especially since, uh, you know, Bailey's not the healthiest guy. Um, and not having him as closer might allow them to stretch out time between appearances more. Yeah, I actually am with you on this. I think that Hanrahan does get his job back when he returns, but I'm very worried about him because last year he walked over five batters nine and so he had red flags coming in so I think there's a real chance that he pitches himself out of the job but I do think he gets another opportunity to prove that his early problems were due to the hamstring rather than his luck running out and those control issues really uh, posing problems for him and his results so I think Hanrahan both of us think Hanrahan will get his 
job back. So don't anoint Andrew Bailey as a closer for the rest of the season just yet. Anyway, I want to move on to another guy returning from injury. That's Brett Laurie, who struck out in a third of his plate appearance so far and has done absolutely nothing. So what are your thoughts here? Is he a buy low guy? And then after that, we're going to play the would you rather game. Um, to me is, you know, we talk about uh, different rates and when they stabilize, but uh, you have to remember that Laurie's behind most people. So um, even though his swing strike rate is, is bad, he's, uh, he's not quite at the, you know, it's not a magical point where things suddenly become real. Uh, but you'd have to, you, you know, at this point you would regress his swing strike rate against the league average and not, you not, not put too much weight on what he's doing right now. Um, he, he's, he's behind everybody. He's probably behind everybody in terms of preparation too. Um, so I think that, you know, he's, uh, he's just, uh, he's, he's doing his spring training thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I think he's just behind. Yeah. I think you got to give him mulligan. He's kind of in the same boat, not the same way, but in the same boat as Victor Martinez, Victor Martinez is kind of getting his at bats in after missing the year last year. And Laurie's getting his at bats in after basically missing spring training. So I think he's still getting his timing down. Obviously it hasn't happened yet. So I think this is a good buy low opportunity for owners. I mean, the question just remains, what are we actually going to get from him? Is he the guy with the power that he showed in 2011? Or is he the guy last year who hits a ton of ground balls and only hit 11 home runs? We know that he should give us some steals and he's going to be decent in batting average. But the power is still an open question. And we're really not going to know until the end of the year what we ended up getting from him. But uh, I wanted to ask you, you know, for the rest of the season, who would you rather have, Brett Laurie or Martin Prado? Laurie. All right, Laurie or Kyle Seeger? That one's closer. Um, but Kyle Seeger hasn't even attempted a stolen base, and I find his uh, speed to be um, uh, uh, iffier than Laurie. So I'm gonna take Laurie. I agree, two for two so far. How about Todd Frazier? Well, you know, Frazier's showing some really nice power right now, but um, he's striking out a lot, and I think it's a sort of, uh, it's a pick em on batting average. You take Frazier on power, and you take Laurie on speed. Um, so it's real close, but... Um, I still, I still believe that Laurie can show more power than he showed last year, so I'm going to still take Laurie. Yeah, I think I'm going to take Laurie by nose as well. Uh, Will Middlebrooks. Yeah, the batting average is way too bad. Um, and and it, it, the, the strikeout rate, I know it's a little early, but it fits with his, his, his history is, is that he strikes out too much. So in batting average leads, still Laurie. I agree. And actually, I'm a little surprised by Middlebrooks because – uh, I'm sure many expected his power to be down a bit coming off of that wrist injury, but so far so good on the power fronts. Uh, last comparison is Laurie or Pablo Sandoval. This is the one I take Pablo. Um, I think that just, uh, you know, Pablo, I know that I don't think that Pablo's approach is going to lead to success his whole career. Um, he's just, you know, he reaches too much. He's got the sort of Josh Hamilton thing where, 
he depends too much on contact outside the zone, the, the Vlad Guerrero thing. So I don't think that that's something you want to bank on in dynasty leagues once he turns 29 or 30. Uh, but he's still got a couple of years of uh, of athleticism uh, <laughs> in there. All of that. It's like calling Prince Fielder athletic. Right. Well, I mean, come on. All these baseball players obviously are athletic, but yeah. Right, right, yeah. And I think he can – my point is I think he can make contact and put his outside zone long enough to keep his batting average up. And uh, he has power. So uh, I would take him on power over Laurie. I would take him on batting average over Laurie. And Laurie's speed does some some to undo that difference, but not enough. Yeah, I, I mean, I think the elbow that he dealt with during spring training still worries me slightly. And for me, I think it depends what you need more for your fantasy team. Do you need speed more? Go with Laurie. If you need anything else more, go with Sandoval. So I think it's really, really close for me. I actually, I valued Laurie higher than Sandoval before the season. So right now, I think it's based on needs for me. But uh, I want to get to our last new segment of the show. And uh, it's actually an attempt to use the title of our show, The Sleeper and the Bust. So we're unveiling Not a Sleeper, Not a Bust. And what this segment is all about is we're going to be scouring buy low and sell high lists and examining hot and slow starters. And if we disagree with a buy low candidate or believe a slow starter should not be bought low, we're going to consider him not a sleeper. On the other hand, if we disagree that a player should be labeled as a sell high guy or think that a hot starter should not be sold low, we're going to call him not a bust. So in our inaugural not a sleeper not a bust we are going to be calling adam dunn not a sleeper and gene segura not a bust so you know why is adam dunn not a sleeper why should fantasy owners not try to buy him low well uh i, I alluded to it, alluded to it earlier there's the um the, the one of the first peripherals to to become meaningful is um contact rate and, and swing rate and we saw from Dave Cameron's excellent article that um, Dunn has changed his approach to the plate and is trying to be more aggressive. And if you look at his swing rates uh, and his contact rates, they're going the wrong direction. He's swinging more, making contact less. At his age, his strikeout rates are already supposed to be getting worse. And I know he can decide, okay, this experiment has, has failed and I'm going to change it up. Um, but that doesn't mean necessarily that he'll get it all back. Um, you know, spring training is the time you you can sort of make adjustments. It's sometimes it's a little bit harder in season. So I think he's a lock to have the worst strikeout rate of his career. Um, he may get some of the power back, but you know, even we 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 often say with Dunn, hey, he's a guy you can own in, on base percentage leagues because he walks so much. But you know what? If your batting average is below 200, it's going to be hard to have a nice on base percentage, even if you walk 10, 15 percent of the time. So uh, at, su- at some point soon, he won't be an asset in any kind of league. Yeah, that's completely true about the OBP leagues. And especially now with this supposed new approach, his walk rate is only 7.8%, which is actually below the league average. He's never walked below 11.9% of the time. So this is a completely new Adam Dunn. And it's something I kind of want to go up to him and be like, Adam, what are you doing? <laughs> Seriously, he's had a really good offensive career. It's a, a, not exactly the standard uh, type of performance that you see with uh, a ton of strikeouts, a whole lot of walks, and a lot of home runs, you know, the three true outcomes. 
but it worked for him. And he was very, very productive at the plate. Why, after all of these seasons, would you completely change things up? It doesn't make any sense to me. It's not working. And he's all screwed up right now. I mean, he's becoming more aggressive, swinging a lot more, and making contact less. That is an absolutely deadly combination. And he's going to kill your batting average while, I mean, that's just going to completely offset any home run power that he gives you. Yeah, and he's just he's the wrong age, you know. It's the wrong age for this because, you know, an aggressive uh, approach, you know, relies a little bit on your ability to make adjustments mid-swing. Uh, and you're talking about sort of fine twitch athleticism there. And, you know, as he gets older, he has less and less than that. He should have, you know, he should have walked even more to make up for the fact that he'd be making less contact anyway as he got older. So this is exactly the wrong direction to go. And even if he changes course, I feel like um, some damage will have been done and, and, and will also continue to sort of shave away at the benefits of owning him. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I want to get to our, not a bust, that's Gene Segura. And so far, so good. 356, six steals, 10 runs scored, and he's hitting atop the Brewers lineup now due to all of their injuries. Before the season, I said that this is a, a Jose Altuve light, and and now it looks like my crystal ball was on the mark. So, I mean, what do we expect from him going forward? Yeah, he's certainly doing better than Simmons. Um, <laughs> uh, to be fair, we were both kind of like, you know, choose one of these guys or choose both of these guys and don't choose a shortstop early. Uh, but, uh, you know... Obviously, the, the, the easy sell-high line on him is he's not going to have a 391 Babbitt going forward. So that's, that's sort of the easy way out. But um, he's a speedy guy, and he makes a lot of contact, and he hits it on the ground. So um, if there's anything that says you're going to have a high Babbitt, it's those three things. Um, and uh, so I think he'll have a high Babbitt going forward. And it won't be 391, but it means that he'll probably hit better than – 270, 280, and the, the league average right now in batting average is 249. So it's going to be an asset in batting average, going to be an asset on the base paths. Yeah, and you know, when all of the Brewers injured players do return, Corey Hart, Aramis Ramirez, there's no guarantee that Segura remains at the top of the order. So there is a concern that he gets dropped back down toward the bottom, and that will take a bite out of his value, which is why I was a little less bullish than I would have been in the preseason. But until that happens, he's not a guy to sell high. Obviously, the batting average is going to come down, but he's stolen a lot. He's stolen as many as 50 bases in the minor league. So the speed is not a fluke. He's hit 10 home runs in that same year. So he's got 5 to 10 home run power. He's not an absolute zero there like a Juan Pierre. He's in a good lineup. So he's somebody to hold on to. Absolutely. I think he can basically keep up this performance all season long. Yeah. And, you know, we're patient guys because we're playing uh, fake baseball with real players. And, and, the, and the real baseball managers are a little bit less patient than we are. But, you know, even if you were running the Brewers, I mean, it would be hard for you to, to uh, put Ioki, you know, in the leadoff spot and put Segura down in the bottom, right? Yeah, that is true. Uh, I mean, Ricky Weeks' slow start has helped things as well, keep Segura in the number two hole because Weeks had been hitting there. 
so, I mean, when Hart and Aramis come back, maybe they're just going to fit into the middle of the order. And Weeks, maybe Weeks gets dropped down to seventh if he's still not hitting, or, or Lucroy or, or somebody. So, I mean, if Segura is still hitting over 300, it's going to be hard for him to get dropped down. But, I mean, you don't know. We'll have to see what happens. But for the time being, I would say definitely hold on to Segura and enjoy the Jose Altuve-like breakout. Yeah. Well, that's a wrap, folks. Join us again on Sunday for more fantasy fun on the sleeper and the bust. For Eno Saris, I'm Mike Podhorzer. Thanks for tuning in.